0: said, it couldn't be done. In the face of unspeakable horrors and the machinations of foul cults, two plucky investigators set out to plumb the depths of the game we know as Arkham Horror, the card game. What they would find would surely shrivel the minds of any who encountered it. Not these two. One year on, their research into the arcane continues. Cue funky music. <laughs> You're listening to Drawn to the Flame's special one-year episode-stravaganza. I'm your host, Frank, and today shocking no one, and delighting everyone, I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hello, Peter. Maybe I was too excited there. I felt like I was yelling at you.
1: Yeah, I just, I was happy to let you go in and keep going. But... <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I'll leave in me
0: doing the music, or if I'll edit that out and put in different music.
1: Ah, oh, wow. that am
0: exciting. a really good opportunity in our card draw episode. Do you remember when we got to the final faction and I yelled, it's the final faction. I should have added on final countdown music at that point.
1: Yeah, man. That, that would have been,
0: been great. really good. I should have just made the effort. Anyway, so this, as you can tell, listener, is an episode all about things I failed to do in the editing
1: suite. So, so this is uh, a celebration <laughs> <really>. of, uh... <laughs> <It's> a celebration <laughs> of our face value. Uh, of a... yeah. <laughs> our one year doing this podcast and this is uh, how many episodes will this be 50 this will be not
0: 50 it'll be like 40 something 49 or 48 49 depending on the order we release things it's close enough Uh, that if we tried hard we could make it 50 but okay well that's fine well, let's keep this in the episode. Listener, would you prefer that you got a load of episodes all in one go, or would you like the slow drip feed of fortnightly or monthly? And I feel like fortnightly or monthly is nicer, and I'm just basing that off my own podcast experience, where every so often a podcast pops up on my phone and I download it. But different people have different ways of consuming these things, don't they?
1: Well, oh, quite, yeah. Anyway, as, as this is the one year, we decided we're going to kick back. Uh, we're just going to have a chat. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna, op- I'm gonna open a beer. Nice. I'll
0: <laughs> pour myself another vodka shot. That's what nice. I have, whenever I uh, record. Listen to
1: that. <laughs> yeah, and and it's the last one. You know, as it's the, you know we've got a bit of an end of term feeling here. Frank, let me uh, bring in all my games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm not in my school uniform either, which is which is good. Just got some jeans on. It's lovely. I haven't, it's... I haven't just got jeans on, I've got other clothes on as well. But... <laughs> just jeans,
0: which is funny because that's also how you normally record the podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I thought
1: I'd make an effort and, and wear some wear some and socks as clothes. well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good of you.
1: Yeah, that's very nice.
0: Yeah, we. so we wanted to look, you said this is the last one as though this is the end of the podcast. This is the last one for our first year, I should clarify. <laughs> that's right,
1: and I think looking at the schedule, probably back next week anyway (laughs) yeah yeah uh but we we thought we'd maybe just take this point to take
0: stock we normally like to take stock a little bit at the end of a cycle as well that's normally a good time to look back on the cycle look at the cards but i think a year into us doing this and releasing episodes it's also worth checking in and and thinking about some of the great you know in the rush to do new episodes about new things sometimes you don't always have time to appreciate all the Fun things that have happened and and changed, and it's a great opportunity just to do that and to look to the future as well of what we want to do next and how we want the podcast to grow and develop and things like that. So, over the last year, Peter, can you share with me a standout gaming moment? Uh, Ideally, an Arkham gaming moment. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, a a, a couple spring spring to mind. One fairly recently, I think I mentioned this on when we were on Mythos Busters, absolutely destroying them at their own game. Yeah, that was, that was a <laughs> Which fun is highlight, right? moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I managed to pull off a double or nothing with Storm Spirits in, oh. in Zoe and cleared out uh, four enemies with that. Sweet. Probably overkill, right? Not
0: all four em- enemies had four health, I imagine.
1: No, one of them did. Nice. In fact, it, well, one, one had one had six health, another had four health, and then two had two health. Sweet. So I managed to kill both the smaller ones. And actually, it was only going to be three enemies, but then a, a conglomeration of spheres showed up. Uh, so it was the perfect enemy to pick to attack because it's only got one fight. So it's doubled up to two.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Ah, oh, that was great. That's really nice. That was like the dream
0: that when we when we announced that card, we almost didn't want to dare hope that you could double or nothing storm of spirits because it just seemed so powerful and got the
1: confirmation from matt that that did work yeah it was great what what's it what's interesting is that it, when you look at cards you have to strike a balance between an assessment of the, of what you know that what they can do in the very best case and their if they're going to be too niche to ever be useful yeah yeah. So you have to you have to take a view as to whether the situation, which is the best case for that card, is going to come up enough that it's worth including. Yeah. And when when we looked at Storm of Spirits, we were both like, well, you know, how is it, how good is it just with a, one or two enemies? And it's it's okay, you know, two two damage to an enemy in a pinch, you know, it can kill an enemy, and get out, you get you out of a tricky spot. If you're doing yeah. four damage, that's not bad at all. I don't think either of us would be sitting here thinking after a few months of playing with it, that you would regularly get, you know, kind of 6 to 10 damage off the card. But I, that's been both of our experience, right? Yeah, I've I've been getting... I got 6 damage out of Storm of Spirits twice in pure
0: solo, which, like, normally enemies only have 2 health and you're not you're not dealing with multiples in solo normally. And I've twice had Storm of Spirits, like, save the
1: day entirely. So, yeah, it, it's interesting that that's a card that I I was worried when we were talking about it we were massively best casing it, uh, and it was going to be it was going to be okay at best. But actually, in playing with it, it's been amazing more often than not. Yeah, and what you described then—that's really interesting to me. And maybe we'll touch
0: on this later as well. You have to strike this balance between best case and too niche. But also, one of the ways that we all evaluate cards is we think of times when the card might have been useful to us, but. Just because you can think of occasions doesn't necessarily mean, A, that they're regularly, regular occasions, they could be complete flukes, and B, that they'll ever come up again. And yeah. sort of keeping those in mind, you know, if you've just played, say, Miskatonic Museum, you're like, oh my goodness, I need to be able to investigate better. And that will help you in Essex County Express, but it's not the primary thing that's being challenged in Essex County Express, and if you go and change your deck to help you get through Essex Grand Express, you might, you might find it doesn't, doesn't help you in the way you hoped. So the game can kind of play off how we respond to situations quite quite well. Matt's quite savvy about that, isn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the other one was uh, I had a great time in our first time through uh, the Dubmuch Legacy. The crazed Chogoth showed up near the end there. Yeah, in Where Do My and I think we we've actually done quite well in the scenario, and we've got up to the top of the hill, uh, without with with a bit of bit of spare time. And is it? I think there's a victory point on the Krayshogoth. Is there?
0: Mm,
1: yeah, there is. There is. So so I I'd, I'd run back down the hill as Zoe to attack the Krayshogoth, and it squares up to me. I I think I managed to hit it. I I did like move move attack, which didn't kill it, and it's going to hit me back. But luckily, I'd saved. I'd I've had worse, so it hits me, nice. and then it just gives gives me some resources to put into my skill check next turn, uh, and I just yeah, love the hits, idea hits of for
0: two and two. I think
1: it hits, yeah, it does, yeah, exactly. So, so um, I've had worse is absolutely perfect. Nice. So just this idea of of Zoe there, like brandishing a machete, you know, shouting down this Shogoth on top of a, a storm-racked mountain, just amazing.
0: That's really good.
1: Yeah, that's that's the time you want I've Had Worse
0: as well, isn't it? It's it's the enemy that's going to completely destroy your campaign. And you're going, yeah, I've had worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a similar climactic Where Doom Awaits moment. It was the first time I'd played through with um, my London play buddies, Sean and Michael. We were playing as Zoe, Rex and Ashkan Pete And... I was playing Rex. Zoe and I both had Beyond the Veil in play. And we each had about seven or eight cards left. So we were doing fine. We were up halfway up the hill. We were about to go into the Sentinel Peak. We were kind of ready to smash it. And the encounter phase before we went in, the Zoe player who was lead investigator drew Wright's Howled, which is each investigator discards... The top three cards of their deck, I think. Let me check. Yeah. Yeah. Discard the top three of each investigator's deck, and then you shuffle your weaknesses back. So Zoe and I both lost three, three cards, and it was starting to feel smaller. And then Ashken Pete drew his card, and then I drew mine, and it was a second rights held. And that killed me and Zoe instantly, Oof! because we had Beyond the veil out, nice. which left only Ashken Pete to go into Sentinel Peak and do the business which he did. (laughs) So this idea of the Pete and Duke charged up there, dealt with Seth, and then somehow like leant back and grabbed Rex and Zoe's, you know, by the scruff of their necks, and pulled them through the gate. Next time we woke up, (laughs) we were at another dimension. Yeah, it was incredible. And we actually had a similar thing in Lost in Time and Space of reaching that point where an investigator goes, I can sort of try and keep up with you, but it's just not going to work so instead I'm going to stay here and I'll take all the enemies on and I'll try and go toe-to-toe with them for a bit and you guys push on, Uh, which, yeah, was really, really lovely. That's
1: why you you need a card like I'll See You in Hell is absolutely perfect in that situation. You actually do, yeah. yeah. So so what about uh, an overall campaign highlight then from the past year?
0: Wow, that's a really good question. Thank you, Frank. That's very kind of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to say not as good a question. Yeah. Um, in terms <laughs> of moments where I've really seen us as players really rocked on our heels, I think the first interlude in Carcosa with that choice, Lunacy's Reward, is one of the most wonderful times I've had in a game where you're not even playing. It's just there's this branching path ahead of you and... Yeah, I've seen people end up talking about it like quite fiercely <laughs> about what should or shouldn't be done. And as we're playing through Carcosa, you know, we've not finished Carcosa yet, but we're starting to see the ramifications of that decision. And I'm really glad that the way that Lunacy's Reward is structured, it really does encourage you to think quite carefully about what you want to do, because it will actually have a really long reaching effect on the entire Carcosa campaign. So, yeah, that for me, seeing people get really heated over that decision has been was really rewarding.
1: Yeah, 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 that, 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 that's great. If I can say one tiny other one. Go on, please
0: do. Doing the first live play, the Roland through the corset live play, uh, getting absolutely thrashed in Midnight Masks and managing to pull that back from the brink and killing Ubordoth in the third. Scenario in the Devourer below, like to do that on mic and share that with the community was really nice as well. I mean, I've I've defeated a before, but I don't think any of the victories have felt quite as sweet as that.
1: Yeah. How about you? Brilliant. Uh, I mean, there's a couple similar ones for me. I I just think the first time we started Lost in Time and Space. Oh yeah, that was really good. And I I think there's a real sense. When you go into Lost in Time and Space with the enemies, uh, like you, you sort of feel like every one of the enemies could have been a boss in the very first scenario. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or one of the really nasty enemies. But here, you're just you know you eating them for breakfast. Yeah. There was a bit I should have mentioned it in a standout gaming moment, but we we had a section again. In fact, it was the game after Zoe faced down the crazed Chogoth, where Daisy managed to get her way to the edge of the universe. What's it called, the edge of the universe?
0: There's the edge of the universe and there's the tear through time. It's the edge of the
1: universe. The edge of the universe It's
0: the second one,
1: yeah. And she, there's enough clues, on there's not enough clues on the location to advance yeah, the app.
0: it's one act. short, yeah, per um,
1: and, and And she'd used all of her clues getting to the location. Uh, and uh, uh, Zoe and Wendy were sitting around scratching their heads saying, oh, we've got to get up there as well, this is going to be a nightmare. And, uh, Daisy just kind of said, well, maybe, maybe there's a chance I could decipher reality. Plays decipher <laughs> reality and picks up a clue from every single location. Uh, it was oh. a, That was just like, where better to decipher reality than standing on the edge of the universe? <laughs> yeah,
0: while lost in time and space. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. And there's a possibility playing that scenario that there were, uh, you know, five or six, seven locations exactly, yeah. around...
1: And it just that will be revealed, yeah. That idea of stepping into this horrendous situation, but being absolutely ready for it, you know, just being really powerful. Everything, every card in your deck is powered up, and just the, even playing emergency cash, you drawing a card at the same time. Yeah. Oh, you know, certainly. I, 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 that feeling of progression over the course of Dunwich, that was the first time that happened. That was I loved it, absolutely loved it. And Lost in Time and Space is such a
0: great scenario for really forcing you to reflect on the strengths of your deck. Like you said, the enemies are meaty, the challenges are hard. You need to be able to kind of handle everything the encounter deck throws at you. Yes. The other sort of vague campaign memory I have that I'm really fond of is that feeling of mystery going into blood on the altar. This first half of Dunwich, it feels like it's slightly sort of arkham tourism where you're seeing different locations and you're seeing the game is being put through its paces about the different ways that it can challenge you and then you get to blood on the altar a lot of the flavor text changes to actually being from the dunwich horror and it's a smaller map it felt like even though it's not that much smaller and it's that real feeling of you know you're an investigator and you need to do some investigating and you're sort of sniffing around different locations, and I just I, that that feeling I think has always stayed with me. I remember sending Matt Newman a message saying, "Just play Blood on the Altar, standout scenario. Loved it so much." And I remember him saying it's his second favorite, which has stuck with me as well as a kind of like, "Oh, what's the favorite? That's really interesting." <laughs> yeah, and it just it's just it's just a wonderful creepy scenario, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's really good.
0: Just I've always I've always enjoyed it. I've played it where it's really punished me. I've played it where I've done really well. It's just always fun, yeah. I suppose it's one of those nice, tasty moments as well, where towards the end there are, there is a branching path, and seeing new players don't, not knowing what to do, kind of facing that decision is always really interesting because there are a lot of clues in the text about what different options might lead to. Yeah, it sort of forces the players into role play decisions. Oh well, you know I'm going to do this. Yeah. Let's drill down a bit more. Have you had any cards that you've become particularly fond of? They could be encounter cards or player cards over the last year, but the cards that you come back to and you think, oh, that's a goodie.
1: Oh man, uh, a lot, yeah.
0: <laughs> In the recent first look, I mentioned Shortcut. I still think Shortcut is one of the most beautiful, simply designed cards. I love that it always comes with the threat of pushing a buddy into a problem. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of the the implicit threat to it, which I really enjoy. And it just, it's a card that if you can reward holding onto it, it it rewards holding onto it. If you can manage to hold onto it, you're always going to get a nice little zing move, either a move with an enemy engaged or getting the fighter where they need to be. Yeah, it's lovely.
1: It's quite often the answer to a problem, (laughs) shortcut. yeah. You'll yeah. be sitting there thinking, "What the hell? What do we do now?" And then the answer is, "Ah, someone plays shortcut," and it, it's it's often the f- the first question I ask. If, does if anyone play shortcut? In, in a jam. <laughs> yeah, Ed. Oh, does yeah. someone does someone have shortcut? Yeah. Usually no, but yeah, it, but, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great card. I mean, we've talked about a lot of the ones I liked already, like the kind of Brother Xavier. Always liked Brother Xavier and Fire Axe. Yeah.
0: Well, we, you've not mentioned either of those cards yet. I'm glad you you have. Well, there those was a are period two cards. Of time where they were the the MVP, weren't they? MVP's. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I, and I've done it again in in more recent campaigns I've played. I've picked up Brother Xavier, and he's great. Um, I really like calling in favors. I think that's a great card.
0: A very powerful new card. Yeah. For
1: for a newer card.
0: I really like Uncaged the Soul. Is a new card. Yes. I think it's really fun. <laughs> really satisfying i don't know why any better than emergency cash but it just is i like it
1: a, a test of will i also really like
0: mm yeah that's I just really think nice.
1: th- th- there's something about it and something about the the weight of it where it's exiled feels it feels very serious yes speaking yeah, like of which well.
0: we've not yet seen the rogue encounter can- cancellation card
1: no no we haven't yeah it'd be interesting to see if and when we get that yeah, and
0: the possibility is that it's either an XP card of some sort, which wouldn't surprise me, but also that it's maybe more powerful, but doesn't cancel encounter cards in much the same way as any of the others. I wonder if it could be something like skip, skip a myth, skip the drawing of cards in the Mythos phase or something like that, for some high cost for 6 XP or something like
1: that. I feel like it would do something with your resources as well, so it might take some of your money or something like that. Maybe. Put resources
0: on top of the encounter deck until there are too many to be able to draw a card because it's too heavy <laughs> yeah it could be yeah, so you need enough resources to to be able to weigh down the encounter deck,
1: yeah, I'd be interested
0: to see what happens
1: there so one of the things I wanted to look at because it's you know as, as you said it there's a it's a kind of little party atmosphere here in the drawn to the flame office, yeah, exactly <laughs> I picked some of my favorite flavor texts. <laughs> great do you have any feelings on flavour text
0: I will quote the flavour text of defiance back to you
1: no <laughs> oh no you you can't do that because that's one of my favourite ones
0: <laughs> yeah it's one of my favourites too that's actually it, it's a useful contradictory card I love it I think it's a brilliant flavour text I I would almost be inclined to go back and listen to the first look where I go oh it says no
1: you know <laughs> yeah so, so what well, we haven't talked ever about flavor text or something except for occasionally reading it out yeah. I, I, you read it out of course on your first look episodes. Well, what do you think makes good flavor text? Wow, good question.
0: is it a good question? Yeah it's, yeah it's good <laughs> Thank you i I think the shorter and better the shorter the better for me, broadly speaking like if if it can be sort of seven or eight words, that's normally the sweet spot. A good yeah. example, though, like I, I do like the world-building ones as well. So field work has a bit of a world-building one, an inspiring presence with the kind of comment about Leo Anderson. I like those where you get get a bit of a nod to a specific investigator, and you think, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. But
1: I also, it's, yeah, it's I nice think when the there's a little li- there's a little thread for us to pick up and then follow. Like was, I found this in some of the other LCGs that there's there's little breadcrumbs. You know, from, yes. drop drop yeah. throughout the flavor text. And you can follow it and you, you get a you get a story underneath all, all those characters which are invoked and actually have you know, the people I feel quite strongly about them, despite the fact there might be less than a paragraph worth of text connected to them.
0: Yeah. And incidentally on that, when I play now most of the time I play with people, we read out the flavor text on locations before we move into it. And then when we flip the location, we read the flavour on the other side out so that people hear it. And it's like it it doesn't help help for speed gaming, obviously. When I play by myself, I maybe don't do that as much. But it becomes such an immersive thing as part of the kind of atmosphere of the game. That I I do really enjoy doing that and enjoy everyone. You know, you're not just saying, Oh yeah, I'll move here. You're actually saying where you're moving to and, and give it like sort of it's like everyone becomes the game becomes the games master and provides a little bit of colour for whatever you're doing I like that a lot
1: Yeah, I, I So go um, on,
0: tell me some tell me some of your favourite flavour text.
1: Well I, I've got several, there's, there's quite a few alike. I like for me, like you say so, uh, less is more I think is, is good.
0: We could make this into a game I was going to say.
1: A game? Oh so I read out the flavour text and you tell me what card it's from
0: Yeah I've seen your list so I probably will be able to guess them but yeah
1: <laughs> All the ones I've picked are quite obvious, obvious as well
0: what we could even do is you read them out, we'll pause for a second to give the listener a chance to name it, and then...
1: Okay, oh, that's a good, yeah, I like that, I like that. Well, I, these are just some some ones I've picked, and and actually, when you, you see them, they tend to be ones that are put a little bit of a smile on your face. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll start off with this, one One of my favourites. Uh, don't worry, I have this completely under control. Ooh. As, <laughs> as we one. both know... That's from Overzealous, and I oh, think that yes, this yeah. this it's I think it's a good pairing of of art and text as well, and it's almost meta. Like I, I've been in a situation where I've been sort of you know drawing heavily, and someone's saying, "Well, be careful you don't draw your your weakness." You, don't worry, don't worry, I've got this completely. Oh, yeah, I've just drawn sure. Overzealous, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she then s- suddenly it's. A a situation you are on top of becomes becomes horrendous. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. That's good. It's a really good one. Yeah. We, we've already talked about Defiance. Just, just just, no. I think that's great. Um, it's no
0: in speech marks as well. Yeah. Which is really good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's just just that's it. No. <laughs> yeah. I really like Leo... Oh, I said the name. Actually, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, Leo, Leo De Luca, the Louisiana Lion... Uh, his flavor text is, "I was born in Mississippi, Louisiana." Just sounded better, which I think it's like you say, it's it, it's uh it's funny. Uh, it's also, it it's an example of the kind of thing that you know Leo's not too serious take on on himself, uh, and that little bit of world building as well, which I think is really cool. Yeah, he's this
0: this southern gent, sort of southern booze runner, isn't he? Bootlegger—that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, and there's there's I like that there's a sort of there's a sort of air of mystery around him, isn't isn't there already the Louisiana lion that you can real you realise is kind of all it's very roguish for it to be all basically completely fabricated.
1: <laughs> yes, the other one. Oh, how about this? There's nothing in the headlines about the horrors you've witnessed, but the obituary section is disturbingly long.
0: Mm. That it's got to be newspaper, right?
1: It, it is indeed newspaper. I, I just I, I like this as it. Again, it's just like this little bit of, of world building and it's 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 almost kind of amusing to imagine someone in the midst of, you know, on the Essex County Express or whatever, sitting down to read the newspaper.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it it's also world building that, like, sort of almost happens outside of the scenario. It's almost, yeah. you know, if you're using it to investigate in Undimensioned or Unseen or something, I wouldn't imagine that you're sitting there reading the paper but maybe
1: you're remembering... Things you read in the paper you have, earlier, or exactly, and it, it's it's sometimes a weird. It's difficult to square the flavor of some of the cards with what's happening in the game. Like it always seems weird when you play a card like lucky. Is well my you know this card in my deck makes me lucky? But you, you have to. The, the the deck isn't what's happening in that moment. You know you haven't suddenly found Milan in your study, and he's not arriving to help you dissect insects yeah uh, maybe you've had contact with Milan before or maybe he's on the other end of the phone or something like that yeah ha- there's, there's this level of abstraction newspapers another yeah. example of that uh, you've done your research
0: yeah the the, the, the whole game begins you are holed up in your study researching the gruesome disappearances that have been happening recently which is like exactly what newspaper is but Newspaper itself doesn't help you necessarily get clues to get out of the study where your doors disappeared, but it is—it is kind of a, immediately a nod to where this all began. You know that you're not reading the headlines; you're reading the obituaries and working out how they're connected. Yeah, I love it. Spot on. Really good card, and actually quite a fun card. To, fun card to play with as well. It gets a bit slated, but a plus two boost is not too bad.
1: Yeah, I, I think if you're, especially if you're looking at those. Investigation replacement type effects like burglary or, or scavenging. You know, newspaper works fine in those situations.
0: Yeah, yeah, true.
1: Okay, so uh, the next we'll go with this. Mr. Porterson always told Wendy things would turn out okay. But then again, Mr. Porterson was a teddy bear and he didn't know any better. <laughs> so this, this is cherished keepsake. I, I like it. Again, it's it just makes you smile a little bit, imagining... Uh, you know Wendy clutching Mister Portson, but being perfectly aware <laughs> that he is only a teddy bear. But it also it, it it's quite sad in a way. Is Wendy this is is uh, one of the things Wendy held most dear, uh, and yet the the horrors of the mythos and the things she's endured has led her to to believe that he is just a teddy bear. There's nothing special about him. He's not going to help protect her. Yeah, she's it's like she's growing up, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah, it's something we would expect all children to just enjoy is a teddy bear and to give it a name. Wendy has been in a, has had a life where that that doesn't happen that she she doesn't have you know she she doesn't have the luxury of enjoying childish things, so yeah, I, I think it's it's yeah. good, and it, it's that little bit of world building seems seems quite cheerful on the surface of it, but it's there's something sinister just behind it
0: well, speaking of sinister Wendy guards, we've just seen a new survivor event waylay. The flavour text reads, is, is it over? Her hand shook and she fell to her knees. Is it finally over? Which could be anything, right? It could be a a, a bus, bus crash or, you know, but you then look at the art and the art in combination with the flavour gives you a sense of what Wendy's just done. Yeah. Yeah, she's really growing up. The cards with Wendy are all fairly dark and they're all her... Uh, having to face up to, yeah, the, the horrors of the mythos.
1: Yeah. I'll jump on. This this is another one which has a quote on it, and it's a quote from a real-life book, and it goes, I am the wisest man alive, for I know one thing, and that is that I know nothing. And that's from Plato in The Republic. And I think stuff like this, it it brings, when they quote a real book, it connects it back to our world. And it it grounds things, makes them, in a way, makes them feel a bit more real. And um, that's on logical reasoning. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I remember it well.
1: So yeah, I, I, it's just I, I I think that's that's good. I like that. I like that when they use an appropriate quote from from a real life source. The nice fitting thing for that as
0: well is we've talked about
1: seeker cards being about higher education
0: and reading and learning, and that could be that you've spent you know you've done a a term doing ancient philosophy or doing you know philology or all of these other things these kind of fairly esoteric subjects to improve your knowledge so that you can translate these odd texts you find and and all of that kind of thing and it's like if you've learned latin and learned greek to help you with your arcane studies you also probably would have read some plato because it's quite a good thing to learn to read in ancient greek yeah so it sort of fits in with the world building as well
1: yeah and then just just a couple more. I want to mention briefly. I know I've banged on about flavor tests for a while. <laughs> the flavor um, text just episode. A, a, a brief mention to Dark Memory, which is no, not again. Uh, which is <laughs> exactly how you feel every time you see Dark Memory. <laughs> every time I see it, yes, <laughs> you're never ever happy <laughs> to see Dark Memory. You draw and you're like, oh no, not again. And um, but I think it's probably. <laughs> it's less severe for us to draw it than it is for Agnes to experience it. Mm. So yeah, I, I like that. It's, a, it's it's a bit like overzealous in that it's what you say when you draw the card, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. And then just one final mention for I think my favourite flavour text in this cycle and most of the last cycle. Uh, he flicked open the lighter and made his peace, and that's all. <laughs> I'll see that's you in hell. That's
0: got to be, I'll see you in hell. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just, like, the 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 idea of it, it, it perfectly captures the flavour of that card uh, and the the hopelessness of the, the Arkham mythos. Someone just there in a, in a puddle of gasoline with uh, monsters closing in on all sides and he just thinks to himself, I'll see you all in hell. Flicks open his yeah. lighter and that's it. And just really, really cool, really evocative. And the nice thing about that is
0: that similarly you have to make your piece that you're getting a physical trauma so there is that lovely little the flavor text is mirroring what you as the player feel you're making your piece when you're deciding okay i'm going to play i'll see you in hell and yeah there's a lovely little little uh sort of yeah mirroring between how you feel as a player and how the investigator feels where they're like let's do this thing
1: wicked card yeah really good that's my little buzzfeed style list of Seven bits of flavour text you wouldn't believe. how many I did. I existed. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Listener, if you guessed all of those before we said the names of them, send us a self-congratulatory message that we will read and be happy for you. I know that um, the Whis- whisper in Darkness, Cameron, he does flavour text competitions, or he has done in the past to win copies of stuff on his YouTube channel, which are normally quite fun trying to do them without. Going and looking at Arkham DB and finding out the answers. So what What deck can run Cherish Keepsake, Defiance, I'll See You in Hell, Logical Reasoning, Newspaper and Leo De Luca? Have you built a Lola deck yet? With those <laughs> I have cards not in? built. I haven't built any Lola Flavor Lola. You, you, you have built Lola though, haven't you? I've built one yesterday that I'm about to play today. Yeah. I've gone for Guardian Seeker Rogue this time
1: just interesting how do you think that's going to play looking
0: forward to trying it well this one is now a chance encounter lola which i haven't tried yet Uh, not chance encounter um calling in favors lola so that's going to be interesting and i would like to try to call in favors into xavier as a thing and then i can kind of run support for the entire team soaking
1: up damage for people Very cool. So that's the plan. I need to get a couple of experience to do that. But yeah. So are there any other decks in particular you've had a lot of fun with this year? Oh, yeah. Was that a good question? (laughs) I'm trying not to
0: say that. Yeah. Uh, I've been really enjoying the Ceph deck. Probably by the time this comes out, I will have recorded some more Ceph live. Because I think that's a case of where I've really worked quite hard at trying to tune the deck to do what I'd like it to do. And I've also learnt how to play it better. That's obviously part of the challenge, I think, is getting getting good enough to actually pilot a kind of tricky deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really enjoying playing Akachi in our four-player through Carcosa. Like, she's, she's not had a good run of it, but it's a really fun deck and she's quite versatile it's lovely when things start to come together and you've you've got right of seeking and shriveling down and you feel kind of mighty you know nothing can really phase you yeah and i love how she she grows within each scenario so you start out and you have you're sort of you're back to square square one where you don't really have any you're sort of defenseless and, and then as the turns progress you're like okay now i'm starting to pull things together this is good this is good
1: so yeah i'm really enjoying playing catch she's good fun how about you well, I mean, there's several stuff, especially over the past year. I actually think in my min deck that I'm playing through Pater Carcosa is some of the most fun I've had. I think that is maybe because she fits in really well into the, the overall team. You could really feel like you're useful as
0: mid, can't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you feel you feel like you're contributing, um, even if you don't do stuff directly. I mean, you find the odd clue, but pitching in those skill cards constantly. That feels feels awesome. Uh, Just everyone else benefits from you, especially when you've got analytical mind down as well. Literally everyone benefits from you by pitching in skilled cards all over the place.
0: Yeah. She's been such a great example of like, there are so many ways to play her. So someone might say they've had fun with her, but they might be
1: playing a completely different min from the one I've played.
0: And I, I really like that.
1: It, it was such. It was so weird, when I first read her, I just didn't know what to make, and what kind of deck to build with her. I'd actually, I'd, I'd probably, if I sat down to build a min deck, I'd, I'd feel a bit lost still. Uh, I just, my deck is developed, and I'm like, oh, right, I see what she can do well, you know, that she is this support character with some other, other skills as well yeah yeah friend of the
0: show benjamin has just been building a min deck he's the person who gave us our amazing logo thank you ben always and he said to me well what should i do and i i wrote some options of what routes he could go if he wanted to and i ended up writing i think four different routes that are that are four different min decks that really you can't really combine any of them so there's academic army there's dr milan and higher ed there's the kind of don't go anywhere, Min. Where you seal yourself off, with barricade. Spot, yeah, marricade. barricade yourself. Yeah. And then there's also like turbo Min. If you go fieldwork and Pathfinder, and you can start pumping your agility up as well within that build, and just zip around really fast. And they're all they're all different decks, basically. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of options. I think we should also just do a little shout out at this point to Daisy, who we're going to do a Daisy specific um episode. Soon, but we are both big Daisy fans, and it feels like how Daisy plays over the last year has really changed a lot. I would say,
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah i when we started, she was seen as just an investigator as in an investigating investigator who wasn't as good as Rex because you could just you could take most of the cards you'd take for Daisy. In Rex anyway, and then you'd get five from any faction, not just from mystic, but there's enough mystic stuff level zero to two come out, and enough uh, other seeker stuff come out that she's developed in in really her own direction and I think I always get the most excited about deck building with Daisy because i'm I'm just I have all sorts of ideas for how to do stuff. I think that inbuilt ability to use old book of law really helps you get set up. No matter what kind of deck you're building. So yeah. if there's bits that you're looking for to build your deck, to build your combo, Daisy's not a terrible person to do it in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think shout out
1: to Daisy for changing
0: the most over the year. Almost almost certainly I would say she's changed yeah. the most. I'm trying to think of someone else who's evolved and I can't maybe maybe Survivors with Dark Horse. That was a sort of turning point for how you might want to build a Survivor deck. Yeah, but beyond that I think I think she's the one who needed more support around her willpower. I mean, I remember about a year ago people were saying that she was the least good investigator, not the worst, yeah. but she just she just I think Scott from Mythos Busters said, you know, there is someone who's going to come 10th at the Olympics. They've still done really well, but they are they are last yeah. at the Olympics, and that was Daisy for him.
1: Not Skids. Yeah, I I think the other thing I really like about her, I, we need to do a Daisy episode at some point. We do, yeah. I really like that she is, feels like the most thematic character, that she, she's a librarian at Miskatonic University. She, she's a character lifted directly out of a Lovecraft-style story.
0: Yeah, it's easy to, to buy into her character, isn't it, and her backstory. Thinking about Daisy as well, the the other thing that's really been interesting is one of the things I've really enjoyed over this year is how other people so not you or I have found their experiences of different investigators change as the game has grown and as their play experiences have grown I've really enjoyed meeting people in London who play now regularly you know I think big shout out to my friend Sean who we met through this game and and we're a kind of hopefully building a little London hub for Arkham Horror. And particularly the people online, the Discord channel, Facebook and Twitter, the people who write in and say, oh, I had this experience with this investigator, or, oh, I never thought I could do X or Y with them, but now I can. And I think that, you know, anyway, I think I would have been involved in the community even if we weren't doing this podcast. But I think doing the podcast, putting something out there and... Seeing how people want to talk about that and be, you know, want to keep the conversation going has been really touching and gratifying, uh, and it's meant that I've also wanted to go and do things on Arkham DB, which means I've learned new things there, and yeah, it's it's felt really nice to be a part of a community and to encourage a community to be positive about the game. I think I think it's easy online to to slip into criticism and negativity, and one of the things that's really touching about this game is that because it because it, the game can beat you up anyway it's worth being at least a little bit chipper because <laughs> you you may as well be and it, yeah finding people in the community who who think oh you know you'll get tentacles every so often but that's not the end of the world is really nice so yeah
1: it, it's it's a different feel to a competitive card game where you you look for opponents uh and people to share share deck building advice with and then you, you go to tournaments or whatever. Uh, it's a very different feel to that because there's not really the competitive aspect to it. Like if if someone if you play with someone and they haven't built the best deck, then it doesn't make that much difference, you know, if, if, if you're having fun playing the game. Uh, and that's more yeah. what binds people together. People are enjoying playing the game. Uh, there aren't people yeah. who are desperately trying to win at all costs, which is a perfectly valid way to play a competitive card game.
0: Yeah, people come to the competitive card game through a desire to win. I
1: guess I guess what I'm trying to say is that the, the community is, is bound together by wanting to have fun playing the game, absolutely. And we're, we're because it's cooperative, we're all sort of on the same page about how we have fun playing the game. And just speaking about that
0: very briefly, one thing that we've talked about for year two of Drawn to the Flame is that we would like to have Drawn to the Flame events, probably the first one in London, it's slightly based off my experience of going to the invocation event and thinking there's a great opportunity here for getting people together to meet new players, to build more of the community. And so we've started talking about that, listener. Um, Peter and I haven't got any further details to share with you yet, but it's something that we'd like to aim to do, to run a couple of events nominally by us, but really just to give people a chance to turn up play the game, meet some new people to play a couple of standalones with. Maybe I'll try and organise a Labyrinth of Lunacy 12 player. I've done one of those already, so I've got a bit more of a sense of what it entails. And that could be a nice way of kind of giving back to the community. So if that sounds like your cup of tea, keep an eye on us on Facebook, um, because I'll probably put things there. Or, you know, send me a message, you know, all the ways to reach me. And it's something that might happen down the line. That's one thing I'm looking forward to. What else are you looking forward to in terms of Arkham and what you want to play next, Peter?
1: Well, aside from the obvious of finishing the Car- Carcosa campaign, mm, I'm really yeah, looking forward to... Well, yeah, and then once you've finished it, we can play it again. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> try and... there's. I like the idea of playing back through when we know what's going to happen, at least on a particular strand, uh, and then trying to tweak our decisions in order to get a, the best path through. you see what I mean or just exploring some exploring some of the other options I think would be really good Uh, the other thing I'm really looking forward to is the return to night of the zealot is that what it's called yes you return to night of the zealot yeah Yeah. Uh, which is in case people didn't see this that fantasy Flight games are doing uh, an upgrade pack to the core set campaign which adds various new options tweaks the difficulty I guess uh, adds new encounter cards that kind of thing so, yeah, it would be great to play back that through with my the group I played the very first campaign with, with our same investigators. I think we did Daisy, Wendy, and Roland. Okay. Yeah. And just, just compare our experience now to our experience, what, a year, year and a bit ago, when we did the core, core set
0: campaign. That would be really good. You almost... I mean, it depends how well you can remember playing it that first time, but you almost want to play the normal core and then jump straight into return if you haven't played normal call recently i mean i play it fairly regularly so i feel like i know it well
1: yeah i'm really excited yeah. about that as well i remember how it ended the first the, the first time which was us running off and leaving wendy to die <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow even more of her backstory and of course she didn't die because that's why we've got all of these other cards explaining about how she's toughened up yeah yeah it's, if you don't know it's a 66 card pack and then it also comes with a box that should fit all of your corset set cards um, sets in it. So you, you can kind of have the core set in a single box with dividers for all of the sets. And then of those 66 player cards, we think that 20 are uh, 66 cards in total, 20 are player cards. So that's potentially two cards per faction. and You get two of each. And then that leaves 46 cards for the three scenarios, so uh, around 15 or 16 cards for the scenario. So that means you'd maybe take out an encounter set for one scenario and put in a new encounter set that's maybe more thematic or has harder enemies and treacheries. And it looks like you're also going to remove some of the locations, and it also looks like some of the act decks or agenda decks are changing. So it's it's not an entirely new campaign, but it is a kind of tweaking and redoing of the campaign. Do you think we'll get something like that for Danich, or do you think it's too big?
1: Oh, I have no idea. I, I think one of the things is in uh, the the Return to Night of the Zealot, or the Night of the Zealot, it, the encounter cards are quite generic across it. Mm. I think we'd when we saw the news, we'd mention one of the things that there isn't, is that there's not a cult of Umordoth. In the last scenario, and you you pick at random one of the four four gods from the Corset campaign: so it's Cthulhu, Shub-Niggurath, uh, Yog-Sothoth, or Hastur. The other yeah, one, agents of Hasta Oh, you said it. Take a hold. Oh on. no, God, I said it. <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's so it's almost like. Is it Umardoth at all? Because it's one of those gods is secretly controlling it, or have those cultists ch- just turned up to the party as well? Uh, it feels quite generic. So having a dedicated cult of Umardoth, yeah, I think that that's quite cool. But it, we've seen in the cycles the whole cycle is tailor made for that story anyway. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe a diff. I, I mean, I'd say a difficulty tweak they could do, but we can already change the difficulty by changing the bag and changing the scenario cards.
0: Yeah. I I don't think it's something I necessarily want for Dunwich because or for any of the eight scenario campaigns because I'm I'm sort of you know we're seeing cards from that cycle be given XP versions anyway in Carcosa and yeah exactly as you say you can you can tweak the the difficulty already fairly high you know play on expert you can have a, a good run for it you can add an ultimatum as well have no elder sign or something like that. Yeah, And yeah, that punishes you. I think also if, if if they wanted to offer a storage box for Dunwich, Dunwich is gigantic compared to the Corsair. And that, for me then, the price starts to escalate to a point where I can't necessarily buy in. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I need to toughen up. Cool. In a word, how are you feeling about Drawn to the Flame and the state of this game? Is, is that to me? Mm-hmm. Or is that to my listeners? Great. There you go. That's a word. Good word, yeah. I hoped you'd say (laughs) overzealous, but...
1: uh, Oh, I should have said overzealous.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much for listening to this. If you want to get in touch with us, we're Drawn to the Flame on Facebook, we're Drawn to the Flame on Twitter, and we're Drawn to the Flame podcast at gmail.com. Peter, how can people get in touch with you?
1: Uh, I'm united everywhere, so that's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on uh, the... Arkham Horror LCG Reddit. I'm on Discord, I'm on Twitter. Uh, So, yeah, say hello. And I'm FB, that's EPH
0: underscore BEE on Twitter, and I'm around the places Zooey Glass and Zozo. And finally, just wanted to say that we wouldn't have been doing this for a year if you weren't listening to it, because if we had no listeners, we probably would have shriveled up and died a long time ago. So, our final thank you has got to be you, the listener. Whether or not you've got in touch with us, just the fact that you've taken the time to listen has been wonderful. And yeah, thanks very much for bearing with us. Thank
1: you all. Do you have any, I'm segging in heavily into our next question here. Oh Oh, no, we're not supposed to. Hang on, hang on, hang (laughs) on. Yeah, damn it, damn it, someone told us off for that last time. Cut this out, cut this all (laughs) out. Please, please cut it all out. I think I'm
0: rambling
1: a (laughs) bit. If you you can cut out. If you can cut out bits of what I said and just make me sound cool, that would be appreciated.
0: Have you not heard that's how I edit every episode for both of us? (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of uh, trimming and shortening.